former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will visit Taiwan next week, according to Taiwan's foreign ministry. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs said Pompeo will visit Taiwan from March 2nd to 5th and will meet with President Tsai Ing-wen during his stay. He will also have meetings with high-level executives from TSMC, China Steel and other major corporations. Joining him on the trip will be Miles Yu, his China advisor, when he was Secretary of State under the Trump administration. Taiwan has not been a part of China. Former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's visit to Taiwan has long been rumored. But now, at last, the wheels are in motion for his trip, which is scheduled for early March. Former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is expected to visit Taiwan from March 2nd to 5th. During their stay, they will meet with President Tsai Ing-wen. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs confirmed the trip. Pompeo is scheduled for a presidential reception on March 3rd, where he'll express his support for Taiwan and exchange views on pressing global affairs. He also has meetings with top executives from TSMC, China Steel and other firms. Pompeo will be joined by Miles Yu, who served as his principal China policy and planning advisor when he was Secretary of State. Yu is seen as a key player behind the Trump administration's policy shift on China. His presence in the delegation is seen as symbolically significant. We watch what's taking place in Taiwan. Uh, it's not about the United States versus China. This is about freedom or tyranny. This is about whether this will be a, a world that operates in this next century on a rules-based international order system or one that's dominated by a coercive totalitarian regime like the one in China. Pompeo, 58, joined the conservative think tank Hudson Institute as a distinguished fellow after stepping down as state secretary in January 2021. He's seen as a likely contender for the 2024 U.S. presidential race. Pompeo is Pompeo served as the U.S.'s top official in foreign affairs, exchanging views with him on the situation in the Indo-Pacific, Taiwan's important role, and security issues in the Taiwan Strait and surrounding waters can provide Taiwan with first-hand information, as well as deeper, more direct interaction over these issues. When it comes to Pompeo's future Indo-Pacific policies, as well as his China policies and his friendship with Taiwan, I believe that Miles Yu will have a very important role to play. Following nearly a year of speculation, the pro-Taiwan Pompeo has confirmed his Taiwan visit. And with that, the focus has turned to what will come of his meeting with the Tsai administration. The CECC has found a connection between two COVID clusters in Kaohsiung. Genetic sequencing results have linked the Kaohsiung port cluster and an outbreak at a gravel quarry in the city. It's thought that a quarry employee became infected at a quarantine hotel while staying in a room near a Kaohsiung port case. Let's hear from the CECC. Last Saturday, we reported that there were nine transmission chains with an unknown source. There's one that involves a designer, another centered on an oil refinery in Kaohsiung, another at a gravel quarry, one involving a staff member at an enhanced quarantine hotel in New Taipei, one at Rui Distribution Service, one involving a group of families across several cities and counties, one at a Shulin Electronics Company, one involving a drink shop worker in Shizu, and one involving a family in Banqiao. Today, we have more information from genetic sequencing results. It seems that the cluster at the gravel quarry originated from a quarantine hotel. There was transmission from the Kaohsiung port cluster. So we have the source of this one transmission chain now. That means we're left with eight infection chains that we need to continue monitoring. 
Taiwan reported four local COVID cases and 45 imported cases on Monday. Three of the local cases were diagnosed while they were in isolation. The other is a wife of a case who was diagnosed 31 days after arriving in Taiwan from abroad. With the epidemic abating, Premier Su Zhenchang has ordered a gradual return to normalcy. Taiwan posted just four local cases for the second day in a row on Monday. At a morning meeting, Premier Su ordered a loosening of COVID restrictions and a gradual return to pre-pandemic life. According to a government source, eating and drinking will soon be allowed again on the railway and high-speed rail. The CECC is expected to announce the new rules as early as March 1st. Even on a workday, this cherry blossom hotspot is bustling with tourists. Amid an easing epidemic, Premier Su Jinchang said Monday that COVID rules will be relaxed to permit normal economic activity. The Premier signaled a step toward normalcy, which means Taiwan's COVID alert could soon be lowered. During the two-week observation period after Spring Festival, the pandemic's parameters remain within a stable and controllable range. Easing restrictions is an imperative. We will announce the measures altogether later on. The CECC said lowering COVID restrictions was, quote, an imperative. It's cheering news for the hospitality sector, which is optimistic on sales for the coming long weekend. Since Spring Festival, we've all been very successful with COVID containment. So there's a lot of confidence in the domestic tourism sector. Compared to last year's 228P's Memorial Day long weekend, this time sales are up 30%. We are also very optimistic about the Penghu Fireworks Festival. Crowds were huge last year, and this year, due to Taiwan's success with COVID, we believe that the outlying islands will be very busy. Travel agencies are rushed off their feet ahead of the 228 Peace Memorial Day holiday. Trips to outlying islands are in high demand. East Coast hotel rooms are also a hot item, with bookings outperforming Spring Festival. Over the 228P's Memorial Day holiday, actually, on the 26th and 27th, our occupancy rates are between 80% and 90%. Tourism interest is back, and public transport rules are about to ease too. According to a source in the Transport Ministry, plans are underway to lift the ban on eating and drinking on trains, provided that social distancing can be maintained. The CECC is expected to announce the new rules as early as March 1st, setting off a gradual return to normalcy. At least 80 cases of sudden cardiac death have been reported since temperatures plunged island-wide last Saturday. The cases are still under investigation and have not been officially linked to the weather. But experts say that extreme temperature drops can raise the risk of cardiac arrest, particularly among older adults on CART medication. Taking steps like bundling up and staying indoors can lower the chance of complications due to colds. An ambulance barrels into an alley and paramedics load the patient on. Amid a cold spell, people have been rushed to hospitals with no sign of breathing or a pulse. We've been getting lots of patients starting last night. Yesterday, we had about three or four people with heart attacks. We at the cardiology inpatient unit have taken in a lot of patients with heart attacks. Some of them had died before arriving at the hospital. These were cases of sudden cardiac death. 
According to fire department data nationwide, from Saturday to 8 a.m. on Monday, hundreds of people were sent to the hospital with non-traumatic injuries. Among them, at least 80 had out-of-hospital cardiac arrest and were dead on arrival. Further medical assessment is needed to determine whether these deaths were caused by the cold snap. But doctors say that extreme temperature differences can raise the risk of sudden cardiac death. It's more likely to happen to older people who take heart medication because the medications leave them desensitized. If you warm up the soles of your feet, your upper body will also warm up. So you have to make sure to keep your feet warm. But older adults aren't the only ones at risk of sudden cardiac death during cold spells. Middle-aged adults with chronic diseases, high blood sugar, high blood pressure and high blood lipids, or unhealthy lifestyle habits are also at risk, and there have been more cases of such deaths in recent years. Doctors say that chest tightness, chest pain, difficulty breathing, accelerated heart rate, cold sweat and nausea are the body's warning signs. People with those symptoms should seek medical attention immediately. Yushan is one of Taiwan's most stunning regions attracting mountaineers from around the world. And on its north peak, also known as Beifeng, sits Yushan Weather Station. We made a trek up the mountain to interview Yushan guardian Xie Xingtian. He's worked in the weather station for 28 years, seeing countless clouds, climbers, and colleagues come and go. It's 5 a.m. and the first rays of dawn are creeping across Yushan. Weather station official Xie Xintian begins a busy day of monitoring his array of instruments. Temperature, humidity and cloud pattern data are all sent down the mountain. That was just the first report of the day. While he does all that, he also keeps an ear out for messages coming in on the walkie-talkie. They call us as soon as there's an emergency on the mountain or a weather situation where the National Airborne Service Corps are carrying out a search and rescue. Sometimes Xie even helps out with a rescue mission. Some mountaineers need help or they got lost because you could say this location is the front line. If I have the ability, then I give some aid straight away. The life of a Yushan guardian angel is not simple. He works six months a year on the mountain, rotating one month on, one month off. Just to get to and from the station, he climbs Yushan's Beifeng Peak 12 times a year. He's made over 300 trips up the mountain in 28 years. His antagonist is the grueling and ever-changing mountain weather. He must be prepared for anything, rain, snow or shine. The road to the station is almost 13 kilometers and takes 8 to 9 hours on foot. On my first day working here, I got a cramp coming up from Paiyun Lodge. I made a difficult decision because this is the path I chose for myself. I carry all my own food up. What you can take from the leafy greens in winter is cabbage. In the early days, I was really just eating one cabbage for a month. All the power in Yushan weather station relies on solar, so if the weather is bad, they face the risk of a power shortage. A solar power system keeps the station lit up, which means that in snow season, Xie has to climb up there to shovel snow almost every day. Through 28 years here, I've seen the station change. I've seen the people change, the building changes, the climate changes. It really has built up drop by drop in my heart. I really love Yushan. After 
28 years taking care of Ishan, Xie is preparing to retire next year. The years pass quickly, but what will remain even when he's gone is his dedication to the work and passion for the mountain. Export orders expanded for 23rd consecutive month in January, according to the latest government data. January orders rose 11.7% year-on-year to hit 58.87 billion U.S. dollars to set a new monthly record. The economics ministry says it expects export orders to rise again next month. February orders are projected at a range of 45 billion and 46.5 billion U.S. dollars, or 5.6 and 9.2 percent from a year earlier. Looking further ahead, the ministry says growth will continue to be supported by demand in 5G, high-performance computing, and automotive electronics. It expects strong expansion even in the first quarter, which is traditionally a low season for exports. The Taipei International Machine Tool Show and the Taiwan International Machine Tool Show opened together on Monday in Taipei. Organizers say that this is the Taiwan's first in-person machinery show since the start of the pandemic. At the opening ceremony for this two-in-one event, President Tsai Ing-wen vowed to push for the entry to the CPTPP, or the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. Joining the regional trade bloc would ease tariffs on a range of Taiwan exports, giving a boost to Taiwan's machinery and machine tools industries. Three, two, one, go! It's the joint opening ceremony of two major machine tool exhibitions. Taking part in the event were President Tsai Ing-wen, Premier Su Jin-chang, Economics Minister Wang Meihua, and AIT Director Sandra Odkirk. This is Taiwan's first in-person machinery show since the pandemic began three years ago. It's also the world's first machine tool show of the year. The machinery industry is a key driver of Taiwan's economic growth. Many CPTPP member states use machines and tools made in Taiwan. We are doing our utmost to join the CPTPP in hopes that everyone can overcome the obstacles set by tariffs. President Tsai proposed that machinery firms collaborate and integrate their resources to form a so-called national team. In his remarks, Premier Su urged firms to raise employee wages to boost morale. Last year, we all endured a pandemic together, so I hope that profitable businesses in machinery, tools and components will follow the footsteps of the government, which raised wages for service members, teachers and civil servants. I hope that these firms will raise wages for their own employees. I'm very happy that last year, Taiwan's machinery sector reached 27.8 billion U.S. dollars in exports, setting a historic high. The whole world can now see Taiwan, and not just our semiconductors and ICT. Taiwan has many other extraordinary industries, including our machinery sector and machine tool sector. Later on, the president and premier hit the show floor. They toured solutions in smart machinery and encouraged vendors to keep bringing quality MIT products to the world. Now, it's time for a peek into the world of chicken farming. Recent shortages in egg supply have left some shoppers unable to find eggs in the store. But if you head to a free-range farm in the countryside, you can stock up on plenty of healthy, fresh eggs. We visit a farm in the mountains of Nanto where chickens are free to roam outside and the eggs show no sign of running out. Chickens run around the yard. These free-range chickens are fed ground-up leftovers from the kitchen. At this farm in Nanto, chickens are not locked in cages but free to roam. They're much healthier thanks to all the exercise. The recent egg shortage has not impacted this farm whatsoever. 
I saw they had eggs here, so I stopped to buy some. Many people can't find eggs to buy in cities right now. Some drive out here to the farm to buy them directly. There are lots of colors available, and children can come into the yard to choose the eggs they like and learn about where their food comes from. The method we use is free-range farming. We use a food grinder to grind up chicken leftovers and feed them to the chickens, so that doesn't add much to our costs. Free-range eggs are a bit more expensive than battery farm eggs, but customers say that once you've tried the real thing, you'll never go back. How often do you think about the health of your legs? The Health Promotion Administration wants us all to prioritize fitness as we head into older age. Maintaining healthy legs is a great way to lessen the risk of falls as you get older. At elderly fitness centers, exercise classes help you get in the groove of regular exercise. Mr. Chen bends to touch his toes and demonstrates a very sturdy tree pose. A few gray hairs and wrinkles are no obstacle to a headstand. The 75-year-old was diagnosed with cancer some decades ago, which is when he took up exercise. At 50, the doctor said I had five years to live. Now I'm 75, and I live harmoniously with the disease with the carcinoma in situ. I haven't let it grow. So, okay, it was partly because of health problems. I used to get leg pain when I climb mountains. No, it's fine. That's the biggest benefit I've got from the last six months of training. Approximately 16.9% of Taiwan's population is elderly. The HPA wants more older adults to live as healthily as Mr. Chen. That's the goal of the senior fitness clubs set up around the country. The HPA plans to open 288 such clubs by 2025. Exercise helps older people gain muscle strength and avoid falls. What are the consequences of muscle loss? According to a 2013 HPA study, we see that in the previous year, elderly people had a 16.5% likelihood of having a fall. 8% of those falls necessitated a trip to the doctor or even a stay in the hospital. One of the most common consequences of falls is a fracture. In the worst cases, it can trigger strokes and other problems. Health advisors say strong legs are very important. A little exercise each day will help us head healthy and happy into old age, steady on our feet for longer. Taipei Main Station has inaugurated its first ever female station master. With 13 years experience in rail, Hu Yongzhi is the first woman to break into the station master boys club. She got into Taiwan's railways administration almost by accident after a stint working in China. The station master puts on her cap and heads to the platform. Hu Yongzhi is the first female station master at Taipei Main Station in its 100 plus year history. The biggest difference is that here I face travelers directly. When I was in the vehicles department, it was my train managers who were facing the public. Who joined TRA in 2009 as a lowly station attendant, slowly working her way up the ranks to become carriage master, train manager, and then head of station operations at Taipei Main Station. In 13 years, she's had a thorough tour of the inside workings of TRA. But she was not always in rail. Before joining TRA, she worked in Shanghai for a semiconductor company, earning a million-dollar salary. But she couldn't resist the pull to come home to Taiwan. I did miss my family, so I wanted to come home to Taiwan. So I went to the training college and asked what jobs I could train and test for. And they said right now there's a special railways exam. So I studied for six months and managed to get it. 
Taiwan station masters have historically been men. Taipei Station is, of course, the biggest challenge of all, bursting at the seams with trains, travelers and tasks. Only the best of the best could make the grade for Hu, balancing this demanding workload with raising her son and daughter, aged two and four, is no mean feat. I have to communicate more with my family. I told them there's probably less flexibility in taking days off. I agree things in advance. For example, Sundays and Mondays are my weekends. That's when I'm the main caregiver for the kids. At other times, they'll have to wait until I finish work, and the kids might already be asleep. If I really haven't finished something important, then I do get up in the middle of the night to work on it. The support of her husband and family is vital for Hu. With their backup, she can keep Taipei Station working smoothly for its many millions of travelers. Taiwan is deep in the grips of a cold wave that hit last Saturday. On Taiwan proper, temperatures in the plains fell as low as 7.9 degrees in Taizong's Dajia district Monday morning. Forecasters expect the cold front to weaken starting tomorrow, but they say the weather will stay cold and wet nationwide until Wednesday. Let's hear from the Central Weather Bureau. Although temperatures have lifted slightly today, the overall feel of the day is still cold. After the cold wave weakens tomorrow, temperatures will rise again. But from Tuesday to Thursday, we will still be under the influence of a cold air mass. And more cold air will move south on Wednesday. So residents of northern Taiwan should still wrap up warm on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. After Thursday and Friday, the weather should start to dry up. The good news is that based on our current data, the weather over the 228 Peace Memorial Day holiday is looking comfortable and stable. Over the long weekend, temps are expected to climb above 20 degrees in many parts of the island. Central and southern Taiwan will make a return to fair and cloudy skies, but the north and east could see localized showers. So be sure to keep that in mind when planning your break.